You're listening to The World Is Just A Book Away podcast. I'm James Owens, founder and CEO of The World Is Just A Book Away, a nonprofit organization on a mission to promote literacy and education by developing libraries and programs in disadvantaged communities around the world. For more information about The World Is Just A Book Away, please visit www.wejaba.org. That's W-I-J-A-B-A dot org. My guest today on The World Is Just a Book Away podcast is Alexander Sauri, founder of Relief Writers International and one of the initiators of the volunteerism concept. Educated in France, India, and the U.S., Alexander developed a lifelong love of adventure that includes riding horses, driving motorcycles, and flying planes. In our conversation, Alexander and I discussed the role reading and books have played in his life, including his service-oriented mission to launch Relief Riders International, a humanitarian-based travel adventure company that has led relief missions on horseback in India, Turkey, Ecuador, and, in 2020, Mongolia. In the past 15 years, Relief Riders International has offered a variety of free medical care to over 28,000 patients. I'm very excited to have with us today Alexander Sauri, who's joining us from Cannes in the south of France. Alexander is considered one of the innovators and one of the people on the cutting edge of something called volunteerism through the organization he started called Relief Riders International. Welcome, Alexander. Hi, James. Good to be with you. Thank you. Could you tell us a little, to start, could you tell us a little bit about Relief Riders International and what your inspiration to start it was? Sure. Um, I actually was working in film for 15 years, and uh, I think just life was changing for me. I lost my father. and Actually, in um, the six months that followed, I ended up losing uh, four friends. And I just went on this huge transformational walkabout and wanted to um, wanted to do something other than than working in film. And then I ended up uh, taking a long drive in the desert in India, and I saw a lot of poverty. And uh, I also rode a lot of horses. And uh, I, I basically wanted to dynamically fuse horseback riding and giving back. And um, you know, one step led to another, and uh, I ended up uh, starting Relief Riders. And for the benefit of our readers, can you summarize what Relief Riders International is exactly? Sure. Relief Riders International is a humanitarian-based adventure travel company that leads relief missions on horseback in India. We've worked in Turkey, uh, Ecuador, and we will be in Mongolia this coming August. That's amazing. I just read about, about Mongolia. And and you started by taking, and I think this model has shifted uh, somewhat under or under certain circumstances, but you basically take people on horseback 
on adventures into remote regions of these countries and concurrently deliver humanitarian aid. Would that be cor yes. a correct way of summarizing it? Yes, that, that's that's accurate. I mean, we do. We basically take a 12-day or 14-day horseback trip where we visit five villages and we perform five humanitarian programs that are mostly medical and some social. So we'll have um, a free eye surgery camp that also offers free dentistry and gynecology on one day for eight hours. We'll see about four to 500 patients there. Um, we'll visit schools where we'll um, do about several, like five to seven school visits and we'll distribute, we used to deworm children and then um, we'll distribute four to six months worth of educational materials. And we'll, uh, we'll also give them a, a lot of uh, sporting equipment to keep them in school. We distribute life, uh, livestock to below poverty level widows. We pri prioritize them. Um, and then below poverty level families um, with goats so that they have a, a form of sustenance with the goat milk. Um, and uh, we, there are some countries or some itineraries where we build bathrooms. So we built bathrooms for very poor schools in, um, in India. We're doing compostable or biodynamic toilets in Mongolia. We've installed playgrounds in Turkey. We're doing tur uh, playgrounds in, in, uh, in Mongolia as well. And playgrounds is a, a wonderful thing because it, in poor communities, most kids either d uh, die or actually get uh, badly hurt climbing on on uh, on buildings and also so the, the, the playgrounds are amazing they also create a, a huge sense of community uh, for um, young families um, so uh, I think I'm missing a few programs <laughs> I'm trying to get it all in for you well that's a lot it's a lot that you do and I have concurrent with um, the the how amazing technology is that you're in con I'm in Saint, uh, I'm in Santa Monica, our producers in Oregon, yeah. and I have on a different computer, I have your website up with all these beautiful images. And I want to make sure to direct our listeners to your website to learn more about the work you do and you. Uh, the possibility of joining you, ReliefRidersInternational.com. That's ReliefRidersInternational.com. And you can learn more about Alexander's amazing work around the world. And to clarify, just he, he's uh, being very modest about this, to, to clarify just how impressive this work is. As I said, he's one of the leaders in this field called volunteerism. Uh, he has been recognized and met with uh, former president of India and in and he is also, or Relief Writers has also received the United Nations, the United Nations Positive Peace Award. So you've really done and continue to do amazing work, and I really want to honor you for that. Well, thank you, James. I really appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Um, and uh, how do Alexander and I know each other? I always, uh, I always like to share this with the listeners and many of the people we have on the podcast are people I have known personally for a number of years or many years. Um, Alexander was educated in India, France, and the United States, uh, just so happens in Great Barrington, the town I grew up in. And if I'm recalling correctly, I think my father met you at the gym and thought that That's, you and I would, right? Is that correct? 
That, that's exactly it. You know, I thought of him today and I had a big smile on my face because um, I, I used to have a really good laugh with your father. Um, he had a great sense of humor. And uh, one day he said, you know, you have to meet my son. He's in town. <laughs> and I said, all right. You know, I think at the time you were working for Coke or something. And I, am I right? Or uh, I that... don't know. We've we've had we've we've both had very circuitous paths in life. Yeah. I think I was living. I think I was living in Europe. But I don't know who I was working for at that time. But, so this is going you know, back maybe. That's like 20, 28 years or 25. Yeah, years. A, a long time ago. That's when you were producing Edith Piaf, I think, for for theater. So so Alexander yeah. and I have both had quite, quite circuitous and uh, blessed and interesting paths in life. And again, I want to remind our listeners that he is the uh, founder of Relief Riders International. And uh, please uh, visit his uh, his website and learn about the beautiful work on ReliefRidersInternational.org. Alexander, uh, sorry, .com, ReliefRidersInternational.com. Alexander, uh, as you know, the this podcast is about books, reading, and yeah. life. And I think what you do in life has a lot to do with educating people both the mm -hmm. people that go on the rides with you who are mostly from a more fortunate background and the people that you serve who are mostly from a less fortunate background. I'd like yes. to ask you what, what importance reading has played in your life? Oh, wow. Um, well, I, I, reading played a huge, huge part of my life. Um, just because it really taught me a lot about myself. Um, it, it allowed me to, to just have a deeper understanding and also like qualify certain experiences I, I was having without, um, you know, without being a, you know, very intimate, like information for like, whether it's psycho-emotional or whatnot regarding, you know, personal growth. Um, you know, I was able to experience all that. And I think that's really kind of the gem for me about reading um, among so many other things. I mean, you know, but I think that's it, you know, seeing and relating to a different perspective as written by a writer. And can you, uh, can you think of any books that really touched you or inspired you as a child or a young boy? Yes. Um, well, there are two books, and well, there's two writers, and one, the, the first writer, and this is very interesting because, uh, and no mistake, the first writer's name is uh, Jim Corbett, who happened to be a colonel in the British Army, and also happened to be born in the hill station town that I went to school in in India in the foothills of the Himalayas. Um, and he had, uh, he had written several books on man-eating tigers and leopards in that area that are actually quite famous. Um, and when I, my father, at the age of eight, sent me to boarding school, a kind of Etonian, uh, British-based uh, boarding school, a Jesuit school in, in the foothills of the Himalayas. And I was actually flying there alone from New York City, you know, on this 24-hour flight, a 14-hour bus ride. And as you can imagine, it was super strict, and, and there was a lot of physical punishment and very British and in order for me to escape, I mean, I, you know, it was kind of, I would say it was tough. It was very challenging. Um, I would bury myself in these Jim Corbett books because Jim Corbett would basically be asked by the British uh, 
government and also by the villagers to go out and, and shoot these man-eating tigers and leopards. And they were basically man-eaters only because they were injured. Um, they, they wouldn't really attack villages, but there, about 1,300 people died to, to a lot of uh, man-eating, these man-eating cats. And, and so he would, you know, the, his stories were about going out alone with his gun bearer um, and, and shooting these, these tigers. And it, it was just like fierce courage. Um, interestingly enough, and I'll be quick about this, um, my guardian's cook, she had a guest house, and her cook was um, his, uh, was Jim Corbett's gun bearer. And this was like 80 when I met him. And he had Coke bottle glasses. You couldn't even see through the glasses. It was amazing. And he had all these stories he would tell me when I would come down and, and visit with my guardian. Um, and I think, you know, that, that particular book in my youth was, was very powerful. Like it, it, I was just experiencing courage and service. You know, he would go out on, you know, risk his life, you know, to, to kill these, these tigers that were basically, you know, some of them, like there was the man-eating leopard of Rudraprayag was actually spreading um, leprosy to other villages. So it was a, a very big deal at the time. And, you know, as a young boy, it's a, it's a great read. And, and so that, that was really, that had a huge uh, impression on me. And interestingly enough, uh, a very old friend who's actually been on my rides uh, gifted me the omnibus uh, leather-bound uh, uh, version of, of, of those books. Now, coming later on uh, in my life, I think one of the most important books and was The Alchemist uh, by Paolo Coelho. And I mean, that book really changed my my whole perspective. I actually created Relief Writers International based on that book. Um, interestingly enough, it was, you know, right before I started Relief Writers, I, I was kind of down and out in between careers. And I was selling Cortas at the back of my old BMW. Um, and, and I walked into a crystal shop to see if I could wholesale these, these Cortas, you know, these Indian shirts. And, um, and as I walked in, there was a, a tarot reader, this beautiful like woman that was just like a priestess. And she looked at me and she said, I'll be taking one of those cortas from you after I give you the, a, a reading. And I was just confused. And so she said, uh, go do your business and come back to me. And um, I did that and I sat down and she gave me this huge psychic tarot reading and had a copy of The Alchemist and gave me The Alchemist. And she said, this is your Bible and you can read it as many times as you as you want. It'll never get old, and it'll always be different. Use it as your guide. And I, I was just blown away. And sure enough, I I, I read the Al, uh, the Alchemist, and so much synchronicity started to happen for me. It was it was just surely amazing. I ended up finding thirteen horses from India, the only thirteen horses of the Marwari breed, which is my like prized breed that I love to ride. Um, the only 13 horses that left India were on Chappaquiddick and I somehow found them. And that's how kind of the, the step-by-step -step process of, of, you know, relief riders really started. It's, it's a long, longer story, James, but um, uh, you know, that the alchemist really kind of just qualified so much that I felt and wasn't able to kind of, 
talk to anybody about, but just, you know, you, you just started to really understand. I had a better understanding of myself and the journey that I was on after reading that book. Um, interestingly enough, after I read that book and I started Relief Writers and I got everything put together officially, I wrote to Paolo Coelho and I sent him an email and, and I telling him that I, you know, his book moved me so much that I, that I, I started Relief Writers. I sent him the website and he responded and he actually said, um, you know, he was so kind to me. He said, that's an amazing company. I really wish you well, do everything out of unconditional love. And, and I, I kind of left it at that. And three or four years later, I'm at the Cannes Film Festival and I was at a, um, a bar at this hotel where all, all the celebrities go. And, and I end up leaving. Uh, and out of the corner of my eye, I see Paolo Coelho. And I went up to, I, I went up to him and I, I asked him, I said, uh, Mr. Coelho, I, I don't know if you'll remember this, but I sent you an email. I, I was just really curious if you read it or not. You know, if you actually wrote his, that email, I thought maybe his secretary wrote it. And I said, you know, you wrote me an incredible email and uh, I'm really appreciative, but I have to ask you, did you actually personally write it? And he said, you're the guy with the horses. <laughs> I said, yes, I, I, I loved it. I, I, you know, and believe, you know, he, he said, listen, come see me tomorrow morning. I'm having breakfast. And I spent three days with him. Uh, at the Cannes Film Festival, that blew my mind. And it's just to go show you how powerful like synchronicity is. Uh, at the time, he was writing a book based off of a, a story that was happening at the Cannes Film Festival. And um, I had worked at the Cannes Film Festival producing special events. So he kind of just wanted me to spend time with him and, and talk, talk to him about all aspects of, of the festival. And, and it was great. He introduced me to his family. Um, it was, you know, it's like three days of him and his family. It was, it was a wonderful experience. Well, and I, I, as you mentioned the book, I was, if I'm not mistaken, because it's a book I've read several times, I think I was actually, I think you actually introduced me to the book. I think it was the first time I read it. Did I gift you one? I, I think I gifted. Uh, yeah. yeah, I gave a lot of those books away. I loved it so much. Yeah. Because you, because you were so passionate about it and, and you, you yeah. mentioned the synchronicity, and I think also this really highlights the power of intention. When we, when we, um, one of the messages that I find that uh, many of our guests share is the power of intention in their life and the heart-centered uh, power Absolutely. of intention, and what and what happens after that. And like you're saying and and i'm curious was the was the woman the tarot card reader is is she the woman at crystal essence in uh, in great barrington or was that elsewhere yes no yeah. no she's the lady at crystal essence but she wasn't there she was starting there but i had i saw her in lennox i think i mean yeah. it was so like uh like such an incredibly well yeah it was so much synchronicity and i just walked in and she she literally spoke to me like she knew me and she said, you know, you'll be coming here for a reading. You'll, you'll be giving me a quarta after I've given it to you. I'll take the red one. Thank you. I mean, she didn't even know it was in my back. It was amazing. And, and again, goes to show light, uh, goes to highlight that one moment, one book, one spark can really, can really ignite a flame that can, can lead to real change in the world because you're, you're not a man 
you're not a person. I think we're in terms of mission base, we, we share a lot of similarities mm-hmm. that simply talks about something you have taken action and your action that you've done, uh, the, the organization you started has reached thousands of people. I think you've, you've, provided aid to more than 30,000 people or roughly or about yeah, 30,000 ru- ru- Yeah, roughly. Yes, that's correct. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's oh, really amazing. Yeah. And, and what was really nice was that I, I kind of, when I first started Relief Riders, I, I didn't want to create a nonprofit just because like I had been working in the nonprofit field and I just wanted to do something where we could have like a for-profit model, but that combusted on its own in the sense that, um, you know, it, it, it would be able to sustain itself through like a, a market effect where people were, were able to go on this incredible vacation and actually get, you know, involved uh, hands on and, 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 you know, pretty powerful, like, you know, humanitarian and medical programs. So um, it was a dream of mine to actually be able to provide an opportunity for people to, to put their hands into giving back rather than writing checks, you know. I think at the time when I started it, there were only like celebrities uh, that were like UNICEF ambassadors and nobody really had the opportunity, whether they had money or not, you know, they, they had to be known to go out and, 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 you know, do some type of good um, in the world. And so it was a dream to kind of create that type of uh, experience for people. And I, and I guess we're, we're 16 years on the road, down the road and, and and I can't believe we're still around. And one day I I really will love to go on a uh, to to go on oh. one of your journeys with you. The the opportunity hasn't presented itself yet, but I do I oh. do uh, we stay in touch, of course. And I I uh, look at your the beautiful photos you have on Relief Riders International, and I know that you have people who've come with you on multiple rides uh, through oh, the years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have, we have, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, we've had a lot of people, I mean, interestingly enough, for a very long period, I think 12 to 13 years, we had 50% of our our groups were filled with repeat riders Um, because it's, it's not really like a fixed itinerary. It's a fixed itinerary, but it's so, it's so live. I mean, it's, it's so bespoke and it's so like, it's not like a Piccadilly you know, circus bus tour in London. Uh, it's so different and it changes every time. So I have had people come eight times, a handful of them too. That's amazing. And yeah. when is your next ride, Alexander? So we have uh, our next ride coming up in August, which is the 2nd through the 14th of August to Mongolia. And I'm so excited about that. We're going to ride through the steps, uh, the steps and, um, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to, to to be in a yurt. I can't wait to do our, our um, we're building playgrounds and doing dental camps and, and uh, biodynamic toilets. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, our next ride after that is our, it's really a, a destination ride, which is uh, the Pushkar Relief Ride, which takes us to the world's largest horse and camel fair in November. Um, and that's also another amazing experience. So. There's about 40,000 camels and 10,000 horses. So we start off and, and do about 200 kilometers on horseback um, and reach this huge horse and ca- um, camel fair. Um, I just wanted to let your um, listenership know that 
while it may seem a little daunting to go on horseback, um, we actually have two groups. We have um, uh, a scenic group and an advanced group. So a lot of people can join the ride. We also have SUVs uh, and camel carts in India. Um, you know, so if you have a spouse that doesn't ride, they can join us uh, either on a camel cart too. Um, but we take, uh, you know, advanced beginners to uh, advanced riders um, on the rides. Well, and, and how amazing to be able to say, uh, come on the ride on a horse, uh, or you can come in camel cart or SUV. It's quite exactly. Incredible. And you're, you're, of all my friends, you're the person I associate most with Indiana Jones because of the, <laughs> uh, I've told you that before, because of the, the horseback riding, the motorcycle riding, uh, the, the airplane, the airplane yeah. flying. I want to yeah. I want to tell the listeners that last time uh, last time we were in the Berkshires at the same time, you took my son Alexander and me up in uh, up in a plane from Great Barrington Airport, yeah. a little plane, and yeah. uh, and allowed me to to uh, help to pilot the plane for a little while. And my son was in the back seat, and I he, he this is a number of years ago. He was probably about eight or so, and he said. He said, it, uh, he said, um, excuse me, could you not let my daddy drive the plane? <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. And Alexander yeah. has also flown, uh, has flown, uh, was it a single engine plane that you flew across the Atlantic? Yes, I did that uh, with another pilot. I, we did it four times. We did two round trips. Uh, to, so uh, lots and lots of adventures in life. And I imagine yes. when you go on when you go on these rides, there's not a lot of room for books, but do you take books with you? Do you take a Kindle with you? Do you, are you too Actually, tired to read when you go on these? You know, one of, one of the greatest joys about India also is that they have a whole different kind of publishing industry and, and books are so much like they're so affordable over there. So back in the day, I would buy 10 books, but the problem with that is that you'd have to put them in your bags and your bags would get like weighted down and mm -hmm. there'd be extra fees for baggage. But now thanks to Kindles, um, you're saving paper and, um, and you can put like a hundred, uh, books on there. So, um, I have a Kindle now. Um, and so that's what, um, that's what I do. Uh, but I do have time to read on the rides, especially on planes. I love reading on planes. Um, I'm actually reading uh, The Art of the Memoir by Mary Carr. Uh, and I, I'm in the midst, I've been gestating a book. Uh, so I'm sitting down and uh, trying to sit with the fear and panic of having to write a book about my story. So um, <laughs> there you have it. Well, as you know, I can certainly empathize with you yes. on that. My book only took me 15 years to complete, but, uh, but I, but that doesn't have to be the path for everyone. Mine uh, no. was logistically a little complicated. Yeah. Yours so, was very different. I mean, I remember uh, like being a part of that process for a long time, but you know, there's a lot of, you had a lot of different people that you had to organize. Yeah, that that was about a third of my a third of my life, but um, but yeah. certainly, it's a great writing a book is is a, an amazing thing, particularly when it's done. <laughs> the the <Yes>. feeling when, <laughs> when you complete it. So you're reading. You're currently reading the art of the memoir. Is there anything else you're reading currently that you'd recommend to our readers or that you've read recently? 
Oh, you know, there was Proof of Heaven was the, the, the book I read last before that, which is an amazing story about a, a brain surgeon that actually goes into a coma um, and ends up having this kind of outer body experience and, and comes back to, to write about it. And it's, it's really stunning. Uh, I really enjoyed that book. Um, and then, um, you know, I have, I'm going to have to tell you about this. I went back, um, you know, the school we talked about where I, I listened to, um, I mean, I, I read Jim Corbett. They actually invited me back last summer as a guest, one of the five guests of honor for their 150th uh, anniversary. And I met my old history professor who used to really watch over me while I was there. And he gave me a copy of, um, well, he put me in touch with Ruskin Bond's writing. And Ruskin Bond is a, a famous Indian writer, and it, it's just so good. And he's okay. famous for writing um, all of these uh, beautiful uh, stories that happen in, in the hills of Nainital and, and Dehradun in India. That was, um, yeah, so Ruskin was also the, a writer that I just found out about and i'm just happy about that i have a couple of books that i'm trying to tear through here and alexander we have to draw to a close unfortunately i could there's so well, much more i'd like to ask you and and uh but i will ask you one final question is there anything else you'd like to add for the listeners i would have to say that do everything out of unconditional love i've really finally realized all of that for everything in life um, I don't know if I want to tell your readerships that. I, I mean, that's the way I feel about things these days. So um, if they take it and run with it, I'm happy. Great. Yeah. Alexander Sari, founder of Relief Writers International. And again, you can visit his site and learn about the amazing work they do on reliefwritersinternational.com. It's been a pleasure to have you with us today and to learn more, even though I've known you for a long time, to learn more about your work and life and to share this with our listeners. Thank you for joining us today.